my partner's words don't meet up with his actions. What do I do? Welcome to the Real Talk Recovery Podcast with the Therapy Brothers. We're brothers, we're therapists, and we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with Real Recovery. It's a good one, Brandon. We're going to talk a little bit about, I think, congruency and boundaries today. But uh, before we get into that, we do have another review. Really nice review here. Uh, it just says recovery. It says, I found this podcast after hearing Tyler and Brandon on a different podcast. These two model empathy while providing real tools for recovery. Tyler brings a grounded humility that makes this podcast really inspiring for me. Brandon is the expert with a little winky face. I can feel that their heart is in this work. Seven months into recovery, I'm working for my real masculinity, becoming a wholehearted person and acting on my values. My wife and I found a marriage counselor who is helping us to reconcile after our separation. Awesome. Thank you so much. That was really yeah. kind. Yeah. Love that review. I'm glad to hear that you're doing your work too. That's, that's always what we like to see and feel like we're helping with. So thank you. Well, and he threw, he threw in there working on his masculinity, which is, is awesome. One of my yeah. favorite things. So. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> that is. Okay. Well, we have a guest here today. I think she's going to bring a lot of, of questions that a lot of people wonder about. And so I think the questions that she has are really pertinent to a lot of people. So I'm glad that she's here willing to have the courage to come and ask them. So Liz, welcome to the show. Hi. Good to have you. Thanks. Um, so if you would like, just start out with a little bit of background as to what's going on with you and then ask away. All right. Um, see, we've been married for almost 10 years. Um, we have two small kids. Um, about five years ago, right after my first was born, I discovered something in his journal. Um, and I brought it to his attention and he was remorseful and um, basically said it won't ever happen again. And we kind of left it at that for a while. Okay. We did um, counseling on and off for a while, marriage counseling. Um, about two years later, I found more of it. Um, he had by then joined 12 step and okay. had written out his step one, which um, basically is the whole history. Um, and I found that and I read it and was blindsided by everything. Not the past, not just past behaviors, but current behaviors. Um, so that was a few years ago. And, we've and, and, been... and you had no idea. No, I knew that there was infidelity, I didn't know the extent and I didn't know the extent of the addiction to porn. And yeah, I didn't know the extent of it. So it was a true D-Day. I mean, rocked your world, right? Oh yeah, completely. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. 
that was kind of my second D-Day because the first happened after my son was born and this was happened like two years later. So, yeah. So I was about to leave and he came home one day from counseling and basically said, I screwed up. You have the right to leave. I, you know, I, I can't believe I did this to you. I can't believe I lied to you. Like just the full, full apology for hours and hours. And, um, so I stayed and we've been working on it ever since. However, the pattern remains the same. Um, the acting out as far as looking at pornography, looking at videos that are borderline pornography, um, talking to women online, that's, that's all there still. Hmm. So how do I, how do I respond when he says he wants to change? He says he wants to be different. He says that he is really struggling. He says that he's trying, but his actions aren't matching his words. Liz, can you continue to just for a second, talk a little bit about what your experience is while you're seeing this pattern unfold emotionally? Like what's the process that you've been in as you've kind of been witnessing this and trying to figure out what to do? Um, I've been doing a lot of individual counseling as far as, and, uh, group work to try to, um, just focus on me and less on his stuff. Cause I know I get wrapped up in where he's at, but I think I'm at that point where I am just hitting my limit and I don't want to keep having the same conversations over and over again. And I'm immense emotionally spent. Um, it's hard enough to manage two small kids. Mm-hmm. And then this on top of that is just wearing me down. Uh, since the apology, when he sat you down, um, have you felt a shift in his heart at all? Um, like, is he showing up different in terms of, um, humility and honesty and those type of things, or is it just kind of that one time thing? you know, get it all out, say, I'm sorry, say, I'm sorry, but then no real shift happening. I, I struggle with that because there are times that we can have good conversations that we can hear each other out and connect, but it's not consistent. And there's a lot of times when he kind of will mentally check out or Mm -hmm. be dismissive. Um, it's, it's not consistent. Mm -hmm. So there's no longer the amount of emotional abuse. I think there was in the beginning, but but there's no connection either. Consistent connection, you know, Mm -hmm. having a good conversation every now and then is not a healthy relationship. I was just going to say something that's, uh, you're, you're asking a really good question here because this is I think something that happens for almost every couple that tries to overcome some type of infidelity is trying to figure out how much do I trust the efforts that I'm seeing and the words that I'm hearing uh, towards recovery, especially when it's not always consistent, right? So there's this weird middle ground between we can't really expect the person who's trying to recovery to be perfect instantly. They're not going to be available emotionally all the time. They're not going to necessarily even have sobriety instantly. There's going to be some changes and patterns to life that have to happen. How uh, the question for the betrayed side is 
what parts do I trust in and what parts do I need to follow my gut on? Because things still don't quite feel like they're, they're changing. That's why Brandon was asking the question is, have you sensed a shift in his heart and his way of being? Because, because that would be the first tell that would say either, okay, it's messy, but there's work happening or you know what? It's really just kind of lip service right now. Uh, and, and there's really not a lot that's actually happening, even if they happen to be going through all the motions of things, right? So one of the forms of denial that we frequently sort of talk about in recovery work is called compliance. And compliance is where it's, it's probably one of my least favorite forms of denial personally, because it's, it's got a form of recovery. It's got the form of it, but it, it's missing the heart of it. And a lot of times what you get then is you get people going to 12 step meetings or going to their groups or going to therapy or coming home, reading certain books, and they're going through the motions to try to hold on to maybe the relationship, but they actually don't want to do the changing inside. And that's really hard to put your finger on and go, oh, like how come he's doing everything right, but it doesn't feel any better. Um, a lot of times that's a sign that maybe compliance is in the mix. Does that make sense? Yeah, and that's exactly what I struggle with is that um, I see him doing things. I see him putting in the work. I see him taking time out of his day to do stuff. Um, but it's, I mean, it's been years now and we're kind of maybe one step forward, maybe two from where we started. So, so. Liz, here's the thing. And I think you you know this, what I'm going to say right now, but here's what here's what sucks is your husband has an addiction and as a result of that addiction his behaviors lead to infidelity and so his addiction greatly affects you like greatly affects you and your family um yet his addiction isn't about you his addiction was probably there long before you were around right um he doesn't act out because of you or things like that um, but he has an addiction. And so when, when we look at it's an addiction, the fact of the matter is, is if somebody, do you know what it means to be ambivalent? Right. So if somebody's ambivalent and they have an addiction and this is so common, right? Tyler, this is so like where yeah. it's, it's, you may I, need to explain ambivalence, Brandon. It's sitting on the fence. It's, it's saying it's wanting both. It's saying, I don't really want my addiction, but I don't want to let it go. Um, like I don't want to really do what it takes, like really truly do what it takes to let it go. And there's a reason why someone struggling with an addiction gets on that ambivalence fence. I call it is because deep, deep down, they love their addiction and they're terrified to let it go. Um, it's been there for them through thick and thin. It's been there for them to soothe them, to take care of their pain, to, to show up when nothing else in their life shows up. Their addiction has been there. And so it's, you know, if, if we back up and we're like, hey, you could choose your wife and family or your addiction, it's kind of like, duh, choose your wife and family. Like, who wouldn't? Well, that addiction has a stranglehold. I, I mean, it is powerful stuff. And so a lot of times what, what guys do is they, they think, okay, well, I'll go to my 12 step meeting and I'll like read this book and, and talk to that therapist. But if they're not in a place of full, like commitment all in to saying, I'm going to be rid of this addiction. I'm done with it. 
if Liz leaves me, I'm still going to be done with it. Like I'm sick and tired of this thing owning me and I'm going to be a free man. If he doesn't get there and he, he plays on that fence, then it drags you through this process that's so excruciating where it's like, okay, I have a little bit of hope. Like he's, he's like doing some stuff. I have some hope. Never mind. Um, wow. I got some connection that felt so good. Never mind. Now he's gone off in his shame. Right. And, and it's, it's what causes all the crazy making and really why betrayal trauma is so complex because it's not a one-time event. It's you scrambling for some kind of safety and connection in your life, but that ambivalence will, will continue to cause betrayal trauma. Um, that, does that, does that ring true, Liz? Oh, completely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I see him really struggling to completely let it go. He's trying to find what I consider are like loopholes of like, well, this technically isn't porn or this technically isn't, you know, something I'm addicted to, or like, I'm just gonna um, drink instead of look at something like I see him trying to, you know, find ways through instead of just stopping completely. And to me, in, in my past, when there's something I did that I knew was wrong, something that I didn't want to do anymore, I made sure I didn't do it again. You know, like I took hard steps to not put myself in that situation. I made sure that I followed through. So to me, and I know this is my rational brain talking, like if I really don't want to do something anymore, I just do what I need to do to not do it. So the fact that he's still doing it, that's, that's where I struggle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a difficult thing. You know, I, I, as you're talking, there's a couple of thoughts that are coming to mind. The first one is, is that understanding that process that Brandon's describing here. So, so you can get, or and I think this is maybe why it's so confusing for you, Liz, is you can get a person who actually the better part of them really does want to get better. And they're like, okay, I, I don't want to do this thing anymore. I want to make some changes. And they start going through the motions of the changes, but they also have this call it a dependence on, on the relationship they have with the old thing that they start. I love what you, the word you use is loopholing it. That's a surefire sign that this is what's going on for you guys is he does want to get better, but he's, he doesn't trust himself enough yet to let go or to break up with that old relationship he's got with this thing. And so he kind of keeps what we call a summer home in Babylon with it, where he just like, he's like, ah, it's just there when I need it. I'm not going to go to it anymore, but I, I know it's there. And it almost provides just like peace of mind, knowing that it's there. And then shockingly, it always ends up falling back into that same summer home over and over again. And then that's where, that's where as a betrayed partner, you're like, oh my gosh, like why, why can't you just let these things go? But, but for him, if he hasn't learned how to cope with life on life's terms, and that's been the old form of coping, it's a different sort of letting go than it is for a rationally minded person to say, this is destroying your life. Right. And what Brandon's getting at is, is that eventually he's going to have to get there. He's going to, and part of how I would work with somebody in that realm is, is I'd be working towards really grieving the process of letting go of this whole relationship that in some ways it sounds crazy. Some ways has like, in his mind served him because it's been there for emotional coping when nothing else has, he's going to have to grieve the loss of that. And eventually he's going to have to make a, a solid break with that. And, and sometimes helping to move into that grieving process is part of the way to help facilitate that process to continue to happen. 
but and t- Tyler, you're hitting on this, but Liz, I, I hope you understand the, like the process because like if, if he came into my office and I said, Hey, you want to stop? Well, here's some tools. Like here's some mindfulness tools and some relapse prevention tools. Like go stop, go stop. He's not going to stop. Um, the depths of addiction, the, the roots to an addiction go much deeper than like, like his acting out is a symptom of the, of the real problem. So when I ask about his shifted heart, um, what I mean is, you know, is it's, it's more, it's complex. Recovery is complex. It's, is he filling voids in positive ways now? Is he living a life of balance and, and freedom? Does he have purpose? Um, does, does he love himself? Um, so much so that he can be an honest, transparent man, because if he's an honest, transparent man, he's not going to deceive himself and go into denial and allow himself to, to act out. Um, so it's, and, and that's why it's, it's hard. That's why they, they jump back on that fence and what Tyler's talking about the grieving process. Cause it's like, man, that's like real work in my life. That's like a lot of shifts. That's, that's like doing my trauma work and stuff. Yikes. Um, I want to just pretend like I'm going to try to like stop acting out and like do that work because that's the surface level stuff. Right. Right. Um, so it's, it's a heart shift. It's a, it's a, it's a soul shift. It's not just what he does that needs to happen when he's in recovery. How will you know it, Liz? I think his actions will match his words. Like mm-hmm. he won't turn to stuff online. He won't turn to other women for attention um he will be able to show up consistently and have those hard conversations he he also won't loophole things like that's that's a surefire sign that he's still trying to hold on to what he needs to let go of when you when you have to have a fight with your spouse about whether or not this was porn or that was porn or this was acting out or that was acting out when you're splitting hairs like that there's, there's already a sign that the willingness component isn't fully there yet. Uh, it's a, it's, it's a, in my, in my opinion, it's a useless argument to have. Like you don't need to split hairs over what acting out is. Like if he still well, wants to defend it, like that's, he's well he's on a few, on yet. a few levels, on a few levels, Tyler, here's some kind of indicators of recovery on a few levels. One, you're picking up Liz on the denial. You're like, Hey, you're minimizing and justifying behaviors so you're that you're you're aware of that because you realize i'm not safe if he's allowing himself to go into denial the second piece is he's uh what he's not doing in that moment is stopping and connecting to your fear and empathizing with like you're bringing this up to him like hey i found this on your phone and he's saying what that's fine it's not a big deal instead of like i could see why that would totally freak you out after everything we've been through like yikes that's not okay that you ha- you'll have to find something like that on my phone and so there's a lack of honesty and there's a lack of empathy with splitting hairs like that right tyler and 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 when we don't have the honesty and the empathy there's not going to be safety in the relationship and there's not going to be re- there's not recovery there which is a hard place to be because then it's like well that's where he's still at. And now what I'm, now, what am I going to do about it? Like, that's an excellent question. Let's talk about it. 
knew you were going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like I said earlier, I'm kind of at the point of just, it's becoming too much and I can't keep spinning on this hamster wheel. Um, We've had the conversation about, you know, I'm, I'm kind of at my limit yet. Every time I try to say, okay, I, I, I need, you know, a weekend away, or I just need space, or, you know, we might need to make a more concrete separation. The first thought is, well, I am doing the work. I am trying. Don't, don't you see that I'm trying? Don't you give me credit for that? And myself, I give him the the benefit of the doubt. I give him the empathy. I say, oh, I do see that. I do, you know, I do realize that. And that's where I get stuck. What's the part of you that starts the conversation? What leads to the first discussion in the first place, Liz? What do you mean? Well, I mean, you go and you go to him and say, Hey, I think we might need some space, whether that's a weekend away or a more formal separation. What's, what's leading you into that conversation in the first place? Cause I find more stuff on his phone. I find um, things that have violated my boundaries. I've. Okay. So, so is it a, is it possible that both can be true that you do actually see some of the efforts that are happening and that it's the actual incongruency that's leading you to need to have the time and space so that you don't feel crazy. And can you empathize with that and say, I know that you're doing some work and these are also the things that aren't there. There's no honesty. There's no integrity. There's really not the right bottom lines in place. Obviously, if the continuing acting out happens, there's justification. There's all these forms of denial. Both are true. So I hope you'll continue to do your work and I still need some safety and I still need some security. And this is my best solution right now. Yeah, both are true. Liz, do you feel like you're sacrificing yourself in order to stay in this relationship and be in the relationship that you have to give up your truths and and who you are? I, hmm, I would say no off the top of my head, but I, I'm catching on to a lot of like hidden resentment and hidden anger that doesn't want to show up. So yes, probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what I'm hearing you describe is he, I catch him with something. I take it to him. I say, I'm hurt. I say, I need my self-care. I need my space. I, and he says, you shouldn't, you shouldn't need that. I'm doing better. Why can't you just love me where I'm at? And then you have to kind of give up what your gut is telling you and how you're feeling in order to keep the peace and keep going in the relationship. And what I wonder about is, is your gut telling you to stay in that, in that conflict that hard time with him in order to stay true to how you're really feeling and, and letting him know that you are a person who values trust and safety and love and connection. And that's what you need in the relationship. And it is Liz is, is divorce a possibility for you? Is it an option? Yeah, I've, I've spent some time on it and worked through some, struggles I've had with it, but I've come to a place that it might happen and that's okay. Okay. 
That's divorce needs to be an option, not to say that you need to get divorced, but if it's not an option, then you will, no matter what, find a way to not have that struggle and conflict with him. You'll try to get back to, okay, we're, we're not getting divorced. We're okay. We're okay. We're okay. Right. And the fact of the matter is, is are you willing to, to kind of draw a line in the sand and say, I need recovery in order to be married to you. Like I can't be married to you and your raging addiction like that. Like I say it, I feel it, but following through is so much harder. So, yeah. <laughs> it's of hard. course it is. Yeah. Well, and because, because there's all sorts of consequences either way. Right. Right. And, and if you're used to a certain pattern, which is, well, I feel that my, there's definitely some dishonesty still going on here. And I do see some work and maybe I can hold out a little bit longer. It almost seems like the easier road just to stay and just let it continue to happen uh, rather than the really massive consequences that would come from the change that would happen. And so it's easy. It's easy to have him convince you because you kind of want to convince yourself to not go. Right. It's right. like, it's like, okay, yeah, he is working like, and I should, and I should be a good person, which means I should be empathetic and understanding and empathetic and understanding always means just let them keep doing what they're doing. But deep down your gut saying like, he's not safe. Well, this yeah. Is not recovery. Like this right. is totally addiction still. And I think that, I think that Liz, you've keyed in on it here. Cause you said, I'm noticing like, and I hear you, you're doing a lot of work on your own mind and your own, your, your own recovery here. The fact that you pulled this out, and you said, oh, I'm noticing there's a lot of these hidden resentments. Um, resentment is often a sign of an unhealthy boundary somewhere. It's, it's something that's where I'm still having my values infringed upon somewhere. And so I carry this, I, I build this resentment as a way of trying to protect it, even though I never actually can go and address it or set the boundary accordingly. And so that might be a place where you might go instead of saying, Oh, I got to go get divorced. No, you're not there yet. But maybe where those resentments reside, you can tap into those values that are still worth protecting at maybe a smaller level than divorcing him. And that's where maybe your, your time away for a weekend say, I got to get out of the way here and let my, let my mind think. Um, even if you are doing your work, um, maybe a for more formal separation or maybe something that can protect your values without having to go to a place that you're not ready to go yet can, can happen if you tap into where those resentments are and what the values are that you need to protect. Okay. It's Liz, it's about strengthening you, right? It's, it's right. interesting. We're talking about your kind of your thoughts and, and words meeting your behaviors a little bit, right? With not betraying yourself, you know, for the, for the relationship, for the addiction, it's really saying, uh, uh, like, really, I'm not okay. And I'm going to do my self-care, whatever, whatever that entails. Like that is going to be more of a priority now to me than, than keeping everything fine and dandy in our relationship. Because the longer I act like things are fine and dandy, the more resentment there is and the more suffering there is in our relationship. So I refuse to do it that way anymore. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. It's hard. It's entirely possible, Liz, that as you continue to make the moves that you're making based off of the heart that you're cultivating and the work that you're doing, that it might be 
this is going to sound weird, but it might be the best gift you could offer your husband to be getting out of the way so that there's nothing there for him to try to save by holding on to you. And he has to face himself in the mirror and go, what, what kind of a man do I want to be here? Um, he's, he's coming to you and he's saying, I'm desperately don't want to leave, lose you. He's like, but, but in a way he's like the little red hen where he's like, I don't really want to grind the wheat, make the flour, bake the bread. I just want the bread. And, and, you know, and if you were to say, you know what, like, I want a team member who does the whole, the whole thing, grinds the wheat, makes the flour, and we can bake bread together. And he doesn't want to do that. Then you're going to get out of the way. And then he's got to stand there and go, well, how much do I want the bread? Um, and, and really it's not even you. He has to see past you. He has to see, he has to be left in a spot where he's has to look at his own life and look at himself in the mirror and ultimately have a relationship with a higher power that says, what manner of man do you want to be? And, uh, and if you're there to, in a sense, like rescue that all the time, because it's like, well, no, no, I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. Just keep doing your thing. Just don't let me find out about it for a few more years. Like, um, that's, that's, that's actually not a merciful thing to do for change. Liz, what kind of support do you have? Um, I am doing, uh, individual counseling as well as a group, um, a few family members know about it. Um, my family members, not his. So I can yeah. talk to my family about it. Unfortunately, they're not close. So um, that's hard. Um, we're relatively new to this area. We moved here right before COVID. So we don't have a ton of close friends. Um, but I'm slowly starting to kind of reach out and see, see who I can tell with what, you know. Um, do you have anybody who's kind of been through this that you're close with, or that can kind of support you in these hard times when boundaries are being broken? The, the one person that I do know that's been through something very similar, um, she lives a few States away, but she, we haven't talked recently, but the last time we talked, she just basically said, how many more times are you going to let this go? you know? Yeah. And, and someone like that, when that fear that you have of, of separation is there, you'll isolate from, you'll, you'll push away from, and you won't want to connect to because they'll push you to fight for yourself um, and to stand up for yourself. And, and you'll know, but I, I don't, you're, you're stuck between that rock and a hard place. Right. Right. Um, when she said that to you, how did you feel? torn like I do now like mm -hmm. I'm not a I'm not a black and white person so I see all sides of it so mm -hmm. I get stuck I I actually like that you see all sides that's not a bad thing um as long as you can hear that friend and she's and you can pull that out and go she's right I deserve to be treated differently and I should respect myself more and you're in your relationship and you're offering empathy and benefit of the doubt and patience and kindness to your relationship. I can see how that helps you, makes you feel like you're stuck, but it's also the place where you can make authentic decision from. And, and I think it's this whole dialectic idea of finding the truth in both sides and then 
making your choice accordingly with the truth of both. That's what I was alluding to earlier, where it's like, okay, I can see he is going through the motions. He's doing that work. He's saying, can you see how hard I'm trying? Yes, I see all of that. And instead of, therefore, I have to cave in on all my boundaries, it's like, and I'm sensing and feeling all of this, and this is what I need. So it's, it's ands built on top of each other instead of either ors. And it sounds like where you're getting stuck is on those final couple of ands because you're like, well, then I better stay. It's like, well, maybe that's the right answer. And if you stay, how do you protect your values? Because that also has to be negotiated. It can't be left in the dust because we know that that's important. Yeah. Divorce is not the only option is what Tyler's saying. Right. But a good friend like you were talking to or a good therapist is going to, is going to like when, when they, they see that your self-respect is being taken and that resentment is, is what you're left with. They're going to fight for you. And they're going to say that the, the, the way it's working now, this is not working. Something's got to shift. Right. Um, and how, how do you like, where do you get the answer of should you divorce or not? Um, I'm not necessarily even at the, the point of divorce. I'm just even debating about long-term separation. I mean, mm -hmm. we've done a few like weekends away, we've done a few nights apart, but obviously that hasn't changed much. So now I'm at the point of, we need some more, some long-term space between us because this little 24 hour, 48 hour thing is just, we just go right back to the, the wheel. Yeah. So if it's not divorce, even that, right? Like how do you know when that's right? And yeah. How do you know when to pull that trigger? That's the hard part is there's no concrete answer. There's no, well, it, it really is you tapping into your gut feel your intuition, connecting to God on it and actually listening to those feelings and listening. And when that fear comes back to knock it down and to fight. Now, now you might get the answer, it now is not the time. And after talking to me entirely, you might be thinking, but I thought it was because that's what I wanted. You might get that answer. Um, but whatever your gut is saying, it's not talking yourself out of it. It's really being solid enough to say, okay, I'm gonna trust myself. I'm gonna follow through with what this is saying, right? learning to listen to my myself and my gut is a relatively new, new thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that that's, and it's hard because it's when you talk about your gut feeling, a lot of that has intangibles to it, right? It's not like you can look at the facts and be like, well, he did this and this and this, and there's zero recovery happening. It's pretty clear cut and dry. I need to just do this thing and set this boundary. It's more like the guts, like, I don't really know for sure, but I know that I feel peace when I think about this option. That's it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I call it like when I work with people who've, who've been through betrayal, they lose that sense sometimes. Yeah. It's like they lose, they lose confidence in following that gut feeling because they've been lied to for so long and they kind of knew yeah. things were up, but then they didn't know things were up and they get confused. It's like part of, part of the individual recovery process is learning to trust that gut again even if maybe once in a while you feel like you're not right at the end of the day, 
because because at the end of the day the only thing you have the only thing you have that you have control over is your relationship with yourself and and if you don't trust yourself then you're not going to be able to trust anything else and um and so being able to practice that and say okay this is what my gut says i, I call it the surrender moment where my betrayed partners they kind of come to this place of peace where it's like oh yeah that's that's probably the right option, even if they don't want to do it, but it's like, Oh, I could do that now. Like mm -hmm. as soon as that settles the fear, in, the fear's gone. It, yeah. As soon as that settles in, I'm now, I'm now able to make a choice based off of peace and strength instead of just fear. And I'd say, go with that. Like that's, that is your gut feeling. And, and your gut is the thing you got to learn to trust. If you, if you feel this like if you think about long-term separation and you don't have to give any answers right now, Liz, but you think about long-term separation and you just feel this sense of like, yikes, that's scary. Um, but it feels like the right thing. And I, it, like, I, f I feel at peace with it, that decision, even though there's going to be consequences with our kids in our marriage, I feel at peace that that's an answer right there. If you, if you think about, staying and keeping it going exactly the same way that it has been over and over again. And you have feelings of resentment, just yucky feelings of like, ugh, like that's the worst. I don't want that. I then, and you look at that one is saying it, it, there's, there's peace there. The other, there's the opposite. Why would you choose the one that causes you suffering? And it's because fear would be driving that. Um, and so to, to step into that fear, and sit in that fear a little bit and, and rest on that, that peace that you feel about moving forward in a certain direction, that's going to be the right thing to do. Right. Right. Liz, what are your, I know we're getting a little short on time. What are your thoughts and impressions right now? I just, I, I feel myself getting stuck, but I think I know, I'm, I know where I don't want to be. But knowing where I want to go is, is hard. And that's, that's okay. Like, you know where you don't want to be. You can set your boundaries around those things. And maybe right okay. now, maybe right now is you're right where you should be in the wrestle of trying to decide what your next steps are. And, and that's okay to be there too. But I, I got to add this but or and. <laughs> I don't like buts. I like ands. Um, and Liz, if you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always gotten. And right. so, and so what I would say is you don't have to make big, huge decisions today or, you know, but I challenge you to do something different, whether it's calling that old friend that you kind of didn't like what she was saying to you, um, or, or starting a new relationship with a new person. I can give you names and numbers of women that would support you, um, or, you know, just doing something different to say, like, something's going to shift now. I'm not going to keep doing exactly what I've done. So maybe you just do some small things today that are big things, actually. I, I think one tangible that really could be one of those things, Brandon, is, is that, Liz, you're already aware enough of certain resentments that are creeping in. Pick one of those resentments and see what the values are underneath the resentment and set some new boundaries accordingly. It doesn't have to be big. It can be a step in the right direction. And if you continue to make those steps, you're going to work yourself right to the place you should be. I like that. I like the, the values underneath it. 
Mm -hmm. You can protect those values. Yeah. Okay. But uh, let me give just a little example. So people understand what Tyler just said. Let's say you change all the diapers and you, this is totally made up. Um, and you feel resentment because you're changing all the diapers. Okay. So then you dig underneath that and you're like, well, I value partnership and I value support and I value not smelling poo all day. (laughs) Um, and, and, you know, and so you find those values and it's like, it's okay to value those things. I'm okay. As I am like, it's okay to value partnership, um, and support. So I'm going to first ask my partner to, to show up. And if they say, nah, uh, you know, then you got to come back to yourself and say, okay, what's in my control? Um, how can I fight for support and, um, partnership because my partner's not showing up for me. And then you kind of go down a progression of, okay, this is what I can do. This is what's in my control. What's not in my control, but I'm not going to sacrifice those values anymore. Done with it because I'm not going to feel resentment anymore. I'm going to live in my truths. Okay. So that's just an example of what Tyler's saying. And I love that suggestion, Tyler. It's a great place to start for you, Liz. Yeah, I like All right. That's it for today's episode. Liz, thank you so much for coming on, having the courage to talk to us. Um, I hope it was helpful for you. Um, seems like we got you thinking at least today a little bit. <laughs> I think that's my problem. I think too much. <laughs> Um, if this was helpful for anyone, what Liz's story is actually so many common things in there of so many people that we work with who are experienced betrayal trauma, right, Tyler? Yeah, absolutely. And this would be really helpful for somebody if you know that they need help with betrayal trauma. So please be willing to share it and please don't forget to go rate and review. We'll talk to you later.